Guys, uh, welcome to the Just for Laughs keynote address presented by the Fondo Solidarité, FTQ. Would you guys please kindly welcome your keynote speaker this year, Colin Quinn. Thank you very much. How about a hand for my great friend that introduced me? Anyway. Thank you guys for coming. This is uh, this is gonna work on. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, thanks for coming to this, and uh, I'm glad you got here. Yesterday was obviously a hassle with travel. They canceled my flight. It was supposed to be at 11 o'clock. They canceled that for the 12:30. How many people had the one? It's probably 11. I got the 12:30. Then you get those. Um, you get the uh, stewardess starts giving her bonjour. She's speaking in French, giving the you know flight instructions. I'm like, hmm, well, she could be saying anything, right, guys? And the pilot, <laughs> I was thinking, what if the pilot was from Brooklyn, you know? Imagine what that was like. He's, hey, forget about it. The plane, you know. Yeah, just working some stuff out. Anyway, um, no, I, <laughs> no, I'd like to start by saying that, um, yeah, I saw Andy Kinley yesterday. Andy Kinley, I haven't seen him in years. Love Andy Kinley. Comes up to me, and he's like, hey, and he's dead sitting, this wasn't being funny. He goes, hey man, you're giving a speech tomorrow, that's great. You know, I was like, thanks. He goes, yeah, I hope you, I hope you memorize it. You know, like, I like, you know, no, like just memorize it. And I go, hi, I like laugh. He goes, no, you know, seriously, because it's like, it's like, go fuck yourself, Andy. You fucking come up with cards all day. I fucking didn't memorize, fucking wrote it, yeah, you cocksucker, you know what I mean? Scumbags like got fucking, you know what I mean? He's gone native when he thinks he runs this fucking festival. Hope you memorize. I hope you fucking memorize tomorrow when you're reading off the goddamn cuffs of your pants, son of a bitch. But this is a uh, shut up. Um, it's gonna be heckless at my fucking keynote. Shut up, beat it. Fuck is that? Um, no, but um, but it's a. I say that because it's such a comedian personality to tell you to demand what you want from the other person, whether you do it or not. Then I see Jim Norton this morning, you know, pause for the lack of applause, and, <laughs> yeah. It's not a roast. I know, sir, fuck Jim Norton, I get it. Now listen, but, uh, sir, I'm calling some cocksucking fucking, you know, new faces, sir, all of a sudden. Kid's 25, probably. Um, and then Norton goes to me like this. This is a typical comedian personality. He goes, uh, Hey, uh, wait, I'm standing here like this with no, and I'm saying, yeah, I gotta give the keynote speech. It's like a bit, he's like, yeah, where do you get the credentials? Where do you get, I'm not your fucking manager, you son of a bitch. I don't know where you get the fuck, I didn't have credentials on. Don't fucking ask me shit. Why do I say this? I don't know, I just thought it was important. And, um, well, let's get down to the bare. By the way, I like the I like the fact that you you know how old you have to be where people ask you to be the serious person at a comic convention, and when you tell everybody, it was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Do you know how almost out of it you are when people are like, good, you're gonna be the fucking father figure for us at this fucking comedy convention. <laughs> fucking assholes! I hope I fucking hope we all explode in a fucking fireball in five minutes in this place. The joke will be on all of you. And, not a, having lived most of your life already. Um, I didn't even want to say that. Um, well, let's start with, uh, we'll start with my comedy career. I started by, uh, you know, my dream, like all of you, was just to be able to get up 
and do stand-up comedy. If I could just have the balls to get up. Then you get up, you have the balls to get up, get a few laughs. So you're like, holy shit, if I could just make money at it, that would be respectful. Who fucking got to do that? Then you're like, if I could just make a living doing stand-up, I wouldn't have to worry about my day job. And then you get to that point, and you're like, well, if I could get some TV exposure, so then people come to see me, and they come to see me, you know? And then you get that, and... You know, it's it's that point. It's at that point that you start to realize that doesn't just it doesn't keep going like that. You know what I mean? Like you have to have ups and downs. Like I was on MTV and then I was back like trying to get gigs where I I you know had to live in with mother for a year. I really want to tell that part, but anyway, um, and then uh, it's on the record, but uh. Then I was uh, on Saturday Night Live, and then I was next thing you know, I was doing fucking firehouses with Bob Levy in New Jersey. Like to, and even the crowd was laughing, like, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know what happened. But <laughs> nothing against Bob. He's home watching this right now. If I could, and um, No, but I'm just saying that you, it does, it's one of those businesses where unless you find a... My whole goal was the same hack goal that it, most people have, which is like, I want to keep getting to a different level. I don't just want to be doing... I mean, I love stand-up. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's your favorite thing in the world. It gets you high. And even though... It would be a nightmare for you if you were living your dream of being some, some shit, you know what I mean? Like your dream is what? To get that kind of money and exposure and then you're gonna go do stand-up and nobody's gonna love you, you know, because you're on the Big Bang Theory? No one is gonna come out. <laughs> Can you see yourself as one of the five people there and you're doing press, trying to be in a good mood? No, you're a miserable fucking comedian. You're like the, you'd be the person on the set that's fucking yelling, screaming, starting shit with a goddamn director, you know? Going, that line's not funny. I can rewrite that, you know? So this is basically what happened to me was, my you can look at my story, for example, and say, oh, here's a guy that knocked around, was up and down, and then eventually he found his niche of doing like one man historical fucking, I don't even know what you call, but <laughs> that would be the fucking Disney version, yes. I'm really fulfilled, you know what I mean? But we all know, those of us that know me, we all know that's fine, but it's like, I've also like, been writing, show, you know, all this shit that you want done and, you know, and that doesn't get done. And for various reasons, sometimes it's because the networks are not the brightest people in the world, you know, and sometimes it's because you sabotage yourself. So really what I'm talking about here, why did I call it losers in, I mean, loners in unity? <laughs> shit, that was a Freudian. Why did I call it loners in unity? Because these pricks that run this festival made me come up with a title three weeks ago. I tried to say I'm a comedian. I don't have a fucking title and a theme, and they make you write it out. They wanted me to write out my speech and hand it to them beforehand. This is what I'm saying. There's a disconnect between us and each other. Everybody loves the Montreal Comedy Festival. Do you not know comedians yet? I'm not writing out the fucking speech. That's not how it goes. I write the notes, and then we do the speech, and the funny parts are there, and this, Brings me to my first topic, actually, which is, <laughs> which is bookers in general. I'm gonna talk about the industry a little bit, then talk about comedians. Uh, but as far as, first let's talk about the managers. Managers and, no, let's talk about bookers first. We'll get to managers later. Bookers, here's the thing, okay? If you're uh, booking like a comedy show, stop trying to craft the fucking TV set, okay? Your shows are uneven to begin with. Any late night show, the show has an up and down. By the time we come on, it's a goddamn breath of fresh air. Even for me, I know all the comedians, and I'm so happy 
after the tepid, mediocre, why are we responsible for crafting our sets where there's no fat left, meaning no flavor? It's like having a meatball that's been cooking in a sauce for like four hours, and then you take the meatball out and go, this meatball's great, you didn't need that sauce. No, that's part of what makes it, part of what makes every comedian here funny is, the ta is not always the streamlined, fat-free version of them, you know what I'm saying? So you're destroying yourselves. Anyway, um, also, nobody believes you when you say standards and practices. What a coincidence. What a coincidence they had the same note that you had three weeks ago, okay? Thanks, Rebecca. Okay, for networks, this is just a quick thing for networks. Following the plan that failed 90% of the time for the last 70 years. I guess it's something to do. I don't really... Because there's nothing worse than sitting in a meeting after doing what we do all these years, and they're just sitting there going, our audience, first of all, we play your audience every night, you stupid motherfuckers, that's what we do. We play audiences all over the country, that's what we do. We're test marketing every goddamn night. And you guys strike out, if you had like a 50% success rate, I'd be like, oh, they know something. You're one for, you're, you're going one for 10 at the bat, and then you hit a double and you go, we got this pitcher's number, don't worry. We got now for you stand-ups that say, you know what, because I'm just speaking from what I've done. My whole career was like, I'm not gonna try to get money from outside, I'm gonna work within the system. I am the fucking system. I'm like, hey, everybody knows me, I've been around forever. This is throughout my series, I did this, now the next thing should be, they should give me this. It just never worked that way, and maybe it'll work for you. Once in a while you get lucky, once in a while Louis C.K., but of most people, it's not gonna be that way. Just think, Patrice, Geraldo, they never found fucking shows for those two, with those person, those large personalities, and they couldn't make a show for them. You know what I mean? So think about that. It's, you know, how are they gonna do? I mean, Norm MacDonald, Norm MacDonald, and this is not a slam on Comedy Central. Sure it's not. Um, but, oh, you know, this day's been coming a long time, fucking. Now listen. Um, they had, they had Norm MacDonald, who's like the most eclectic fucking renaissance mad mind, hosting a goddamn sports show. That was their idea. That's called putting somebody in a fucking harness. He's hosting a goddamn sports show. Of course that wasn't, he, sports is one of the many, he doesn't even like sports, he just likes gambling, so he knows a lot about sports. <laughs> you take in one of the most brilliant minds and putting him in a fucking, I hope your next sports show is hosted by Aaron Hernandez, I'm serious. I hope you have a fucking meeting with him over there. Um, but it's Comedy Central is our kind of, you know what I mean? You are the, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you, there's a lot of great shows on Comedy Central. I'm not going to trash it, but you're also, stop test marketing to fucking 14-year-olds, okay? Stop, stop, here's the way it's supposed to work. You're doing it backwards. Adults influence kids. That's how it's supposed to be. Not the fucking other way around. You know? The, um... What else? Don't, uh, yeah. By the way, anybody at this festival who's in the business, in the industry part, who judges by one set you saw somebody do at this festival, you're a fucking audience. You're not in the industry. You're just another person that was at a show and goes, hey, I thought that guy bombed. Stop judging by audience response. I know that sounds stupid, but if somebody bombs like five times in a row, yes, there's a problem. I get it. But one weird set, you can't be judging the guy for the rest of his career on. The uh, uh, fucking heartfelt moment, annoying, right? Um, 
Even my fellow comedians who support me are like, boo, boo. It sucked. Fine. All right. Comedy Central roast. Stop having fucking celebrities on and stop writing jokes for people. Everybody writes their own shit from now on. It takes away the organic thing. And that leads me to a quick digression about Tough Crowd. Here's the thing about Tough Crowd. No. Look. Doesn't matter. I mean, at this point, but I'm just saying, the fact is, I created that show, and I brought that show from NBC, where, so Comedy Center already has a show, and that, here's what bothers me. You tried to replace the show without me after the show left, but this goes to point something out. You can't just replace shit. We're all, every comedian is individual. I'm not the best fucking host. I wasn't even the best host of Tough Crowd. It doesn't matter. There's something organic that you, it's alchemy that you have to just trust. You can't just look at the fucking outside and see whatever, you know what I mean? You have to, you have to go beyond. It's creative business. It's not a fucking business like software, you know, despite the podium and me giving the keynote speech <laughs> in a suit. You've got to start, you've got to hire, you should hire comedians as consultants like fucking, you know, those beagles that sniff bed bugs. I don't know. I was never really good at those analogy things, but believe me. Now, club owners, if you keep club, I don't even know if there are club owners here, but if there are club owners, you can't keep hiring crowd-pleasing hacks. Don't get panicked looks on your faces when somebody's doing a new bit for three minutes that doesn't kill every night and go, I think there's a problem. It's not a problem. It's part of the fucking process. You're architects of your own destruction. You hire hacks. You take care. You make sure the five people that are heckling get taken care of, those drunks, not the 150 people that are horrified by these five people ruining the show so they can't hear the comedian. That's a good way to run a business. That's going to fucking last. It just, it's been bugging me for a long time, obviously, but I'm just saying, you're chasing people out of your clubs every time you let these fucking idiots. All right, now on to managers and agents. Managers and agents, first of all, Telling people they need more Twitter followers is not management advice. Some kid giving, you know. That's not guiding a career right there. People can't get more fucking Twitter followers. It doesn't work like that. You can't get, you know what I mean? They're calling up friends and they, it's pathetic. You might as well be a fucking stockbroker calling up your family, trying to get them in goddamn business. Could you follow me? So my manager will send me on for fucking, you know. But the truth is, here's what I'm realizing about managers and agents. We know we need you. you. We can't function without you. We couldn't all have gotten up here without you. The minute that flight got canceled yesterday, everyone just stood and fucking... <laughs> We're not very, you know, functional people. And we have a sick relationship with you. I acknowledge there's two sides to this shit. We're not the easiest people. With managers and agents, we're like the jealous, possessive psycho. You know, you bring us bad news, we explode and blame you. It's like that boyfriend that's psychotic. If you, if you say somebody else, you're thinking of working with somebody else, we might get violent. We can be a little jealous. And you seduce us when you meet us, flatter us, make us feel like we're the only one, and then push us aside when somebody else shows up, right? Um, just when I finished that, I knew I needed something else there, but... Uh, I'm at the keynote. But here's the other thing for managers. Quit using an agents. Quit using the seasons as excuses, okay? Nobody looks at anything after the summer. Nobody, the holidays, 
from Thanksgiving through New Year's through the fucking Chinese lunar year. I've lived in the United States my whole life. Holidays don't last three months, okay? It's not fucking Ramadan, you cocksuckers. Will you please stomp the shit? So annoying. But the truth is, we're, we're a couple. Let's come out and admit it. We need both of you. We're the fun-loving asshole at the party, and you're the designated driver who takes us home. You get to be with the fun person, and then you got to deal with the horse shit on the way home. It's, you know. But that's part of my whole theme. Don't worry, I do have a theme underneath it all. Believe me. One, um, how about this? Oh. First of all, open micers. This goes to open micers. I guess they're not here, but you know, people watch this on YouTube, don't they? Um, open micers, you stink, but you think you're great. But that's okay. That's, that's how you're supposed to be. I stunk and thought I was great for many years. It's the only thing that keeps you in the business. It's part of the makeup of being a stand-up person, right? And uh, it takes five years to really know. People doing it five years, it takes 10 years. I was lying when I said five years. But here's my little other note to stand-ups. Not that I missed a performance. Suddenly I'm going to be up here like, you know. But I'm just trying to tell you, when you're doing stand-up, I see so many funny stand-ups on Comedy Central around the club, and everyone's standing there, ironically, not moving. Move around. This is your fucking, you're going for your life right now. The only one that can pull off that for more than 10 minutes without boring people is Todd Barry. Everybody else needs to fucking move around and sell it a little bit. It's not hack to sell the shit you've been writing and slaving over. It's not a hack fucking move. You stand up there like this, and you're like, I don't know. You know, one out of every 300 drunken audience members is thinking, hey, he's a good writer. <laughs> you know? These fucking people don't know. Just move, walk, fucking open up your body, yell once in a while. Get out there, look them in the fucking eye. I'm trying to save your goddamn career, you know? I did it for years. I stood up there in monotone for fucking 10 years. Everybody's like, oh, all the comedians thought it was kind of amusing, but, you know, I was fucking dying every night. Um, to comedians, this is to the comedians, you know, my fellow, all of you people that are up here. First of all, don't be a dick to the new people. They're annoying. They want to drain you of your knowledge and use you for whatever they can, but that's what you do to people, and that's what people do to people. That's just human nature. You know what I mean? Just play along. Don't be a cranky bastard, okay? This is, the rest of this is more or less to us. First of all, so what I'm saying is, if I had gone, if what I tried to do was I tried to go the normal route, which is I did every time, hey, I was on SNL, I'm like, I can go out and pitch these shows, I wrote the shows out, I took the screenwriting classes, took the, you know, went there, met people, we love Colin, <laughs> freaking love, you know, we love him, you know what I mean? And what happened, they're going another way, but they love you, they wanna work with you some, oh, that's great, you know what I mean? So I'm just saying that that doesn't work. Like I said, if you're lucky and you can pull that off, good for you. In the meantime, you gotta go, you know, you gotta you got have to work on your own. And when I say on your own, I'm saying work with each other because we're the only ones. Net, people at networks or cable, and they're never gonna think what I think is funny. They're just not. It doesn't work that way. They, you know what I mean? You gotta work with each other. So here's what I'm saying. First, comedian advice. Then I'm giving you my industry advice, which once again, you're like, well, if all those things failed, who are you to give a set interested? Well, good point, but you know, deal with that after my great comic advice. First of all, we're the only people around that I see that are actually saying something. So say something, say something. You know what I mean? 
Everybody's just, I feel like everybody just gets locked into one thing and they're like, this is my, this is what my guy would say. No, your fucking person would say whatever you think, whatever's interesting to you, whatever your outside interests are, you should be bringing them on to, I mean, look, even my things I'm doing right now, they're just shit that's like, there's like anybody in comedy, we all know anybody can do that kind of stuff if you just focus in on one thing and then do it, you know what I mean? Not anybody can get Seinfeld, the bankroll, the early one, but I'm just saying that anyone, uh, you know, but I'm just saying anybody that can get thematic, not that you want to, but at a certain point you have to have, you have to be that person that people go, oh, I see he's that kind of person. Like they, if you're just randomly all over this, how many people, you, you kill every fucking night, but it's arbitrary and people just forget because there's nothing for them. They got to sink their teeth into shit is what I'm saying. So yeah, it was pretty boring, but it was something I had to say. Um, if you were, and when you're saying something funny, please be funny. If you're going to preach, it's fine. If you're a preacher comic, preach fucking funny. If you're just preaching and you, if you get more applause breaks than laughs, you're a pandering fucking populist. Okay. And a, and a half, you're in danger of becoming a hack. I say as I get an applause break. Uh, uh. That Todd Barry thing didn't do what I thought it would do either. Oh, sorry. Am I still up? Okay. Now we have to talk about, of course, rape jokes and all this stuff. Here's the sad thing about the whole... First of all, I love these, these fucking fundamentalist new monitor, speech monitors. You know, I thought we were the ones who were going to slide by this politically correct fucking nightmare. But apparently everyone's watching and blogging about that shit too. First of all, here's why it's so infuriating. Sam Morrill, the original rape joke controversy of this year, his joke was a fucking comment on how people accept rape jokes. That was the whole thing. It wasn't even a rape It was a comment on fucking rape jokes. Then the fucking idiots, are too, they don't even know what they're outraged about. It's just infuriating to me. Um, but that being said, don't get fucking lazy and just write you know, whatever the most shocking shit is. Because shock could easily become the new hack. Edgy comedy could become hack. And pretty soon we'll all be up here like 1971 again. All right, it was... Now, here's the other thing, okay? Headliners. When you start headlining, don't become a cheap fuck. You know how many headliners turn into fucking assholes? I mean, you know... Once it, people start headlining, we all, oh, the industry exploits us, they abuse. Then somebody starts headlining, they, they pay their, you know, their friend to work with them like 58 bucks. And it's like, hey, you know, they come to see me, I gotta do my, oh, that was fast, you turned into everything you hate. <laughs> um, okay. You shouldn't have more than 64% of your act should not be dick jokes, or else I don't wanna hear any complaints. Oh, everybody's pissed now. You're fucking, what are you, adding up? <laughs> Everyone's like, hey, now that's too much. You've gone too far this time. 64%. I'm being fucking very liberal, I think. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, so here's what happened. What happened was, the good news is, success in stand-up is very bad for your act. You know, in a way, I'm glad I kept, like, every time I got... Where I wanted, where I thought I wanted to go, I just keep falling back for whatever. Sometimes it was self-sabotage. Sometimes it was, like I said, the industry. Doesn't matter. The point is this: when you when you reject stuff, like I've rejected a lot, of, I've turned down a lot of things, and sometimes I turned them down because I'm a comedian and I was in good taste, and I was like, "Fuck that." And sometimes I turned it down because I was scared. 
You know what I mean? And I was scared. And that's the big thing nobody talks about. Fear. Fear, ego, and control are the three things. Because when you're doing stand-up, you're, you're doing the one thing the whole world is afraid to do. And you're standing up there doing it. But then when you're put into a situation where you don't control the room, you don't have the mic, you don't have an audience, suddenly people become a little bit scared. And the way, it, I'll just say the way it came for me, Austin Powers, I was supposed to in that movie Austin Powers a long time ago, like 17, 18 years ago. Mike Myers calls me up. In fact, he's from Canada. And uh, he calls me up. Now that I thought about it. This is what they're going to highlight on the local news. And then Mike Myers called him. And Mike Myers called me. And he said, look, I have this part. I saw you on Larry Sanders' show playing this guy. And I want you to play the same basic, just do what you did there in my movie, Austin Powers. And I was like, Mike, thanks, but I'm working on my own shit, but thanks. I'm sure many of you have done the same shit in various incarnations, right? Where people offered you stuff. You're like, no, that's all right. I'll do my own thing. You know what I mean? And he called me. He goes... Colin, I'm just, you got the part. I'll fly you out. It's first, you got the part, right? Got the, and I was like, Mike, thank you, but I'm working on my own stuff too. Like, so, and then he kept, finally he just left. He goes, I'm not going to beg you. I go, Mike, I respect you. Good luck with your thing. Good luck with my thing. Now, <laughs> why are they laughing at my thing? Um, well, but I'm just saying that if I had done that because, you know, I didn't believe in his project, I didn't even know what the project was at the time. Nobody knew the juggernaut that was Austin Powers. <laughs> All right, but I'm saying, I know I'm acting like it's the godfather, but you know what I'm saying, it's big enough. And, but I'm just, <laughs> what I'm saying is that when you're doing, there, there's, a, there's a, a fear that I feel that when, when I see stand-ups go, fuck that, I'm not fucking selling out. I don't go to parties. The two biggest regrets I would say I had in, in my stand-up career was Three. One was not just loving the fact that I was just to keep that energy of like I'm making a living. When I first made a living doing stand-up, I was working around high all the time, you know. And you could keep that for if I really thought about what that means, you know. Two, taping and listening to every set. And three was was making sure that like, oh, fuck what? Um, see if I tape this. <laughs> um, what the fuck was three? Oh, this is the one I subconsciously didn't want to say. Going to every stupid party. I feel like I spent my whole career getting invited to all these like big mover and shaker fucking events. And I just, fuck that. I go to the clubs, man. Fucking gym rat. Fuck them. I don't talk to those assholes. But guess what? I could have put on this lovely suit and gone for a half hour and just shook hands and fucking left and gone to do comedy. But I didn't do it. And one reason was because, fuck them. I'm not going to be part of these fucking assholes. But the other part was I was afraid, I was uncomfortable. I wouldn't say I was afraid, but I was uncomfortable to be around that, you know what I mean? To be around all these people and uncomfortable because they have something I want. They have the power to give me what I want. And I'm sure this applies to a lot of you. It's like, fuck you, you don't fucking tell me. I fucking go work the crowd, I fucking do my comedy, you know what I mean? And so I'm not telling you to go kiss ass and sell out. All I'm saying is that if you want to, if you want to, you know, be, if you want to get whatever it is you're trying to get, you do have to ask somebody at some point, you know, where they actually have money or they have power. You know what I mean? We have to, and you don't got to kiss their ass and, you know, sell yourself out. You don't have to change anything about your content, 
but you do have to be civil, show up at a few meetings, look them in the eye, try to remember their names. I mean, you know, I mean, how many fucking names do you forget immediately? You know what I mean? At these festivals, you're like, holy shit, who's that? And it's always somebody you're like, oh, fuck. And then, you know, they get used to it. I mean, the, uh, I, I think of some of the biggest names that I forgot over the years. And um, so I'm just saying that there's, there's a level where, like, the responsibility to us is to write good, to write. You're supposed to be writing all the time. You're supposed to be listening to your sets. But you also, you have to take responsibility for being, being around the fucking industry. You can't just, you know, step out of it. All right, I'm rambling, but hold on. Um. <laughs> yeah, humility. Okay. Um. Oh, so comedians fear that. What we should fear is becoming a pompous ass, becoming a cheap headliner, becoming a fucking hack or a thief. Here's what we do fear. Being vulnerable, looking stupid, not by your own choice, right? You feel like in those being mediocre, and not being a genius. Let me just save us all the pressure of not being a genius. Nobody's a fucking genius. If there's a genius, we'll all know about it and we'll let you know if you're a genius. <laughs> we'll all come and go, you're a genius. Don't worry about it. You're not gonna prove you're a genius, especially to a bunch of fucking smart-ass fucking comedians that don't miss much, okay? <laughs> there's no geniuses in the whole of the business. You can relax. Even Woody Allen turns out shit 40% of the time. And he's the highest batting average of all, right? And what you fear the most is being silenced. That's the fear. I mean, 80% of you right now would like to grab this fucking mic and take it over from here. I understand that, you know? So all I'm gonna say is this keynote speech is a fucking mistake. We all knew that from the beginning. Why am I trying to fucking, you know, half of you are going to be going, what a fucking idiot, and the other half are going to be, you willful, unappreciative, fucking judgmental, jaded, surly, self-centered, bratty. <laughs> but the only ones in this whole country, this phony, I mean America, but you can count Canada too, I'm sure, as far as this phony, the only ones that fucking tell the truth is right here. So I love you guys. Thanks, man. Thanks.